0: to the book of Ruth this morning the book of Ruth find the book of Judges right to the right of that is the book of Ruth and I want to uh, preach this morning on a subject of the power of decisions. do you realize young people if you make a decision today that one decision can affect the rest of your life what may seem like not that big of a deal what may Appear in your thinking in your mind that oh, this is something that I want to do and it's not affecting anybody else can literally affect the rest of your life one decision one choice you make that's why it's so important Christians whether we're young or old that we choose right because even as an adult I've heard some people say well uh, I you know this is what I want to do I am my own man And I'll do what I want to do my way. Well, you have that choice. But that choice is going to be a bad choice. It's going to affect your family and everyone around you. So we'll look at this power of decision in Ruth chapter 1, a very familiar uh, book here. The book of Ruth is a wonderful book. It's uh, not a romantic novel, but it's a true love story. Uh, You know, I heard about some girls who were at a Christian college and they were praying in the dorm. And one of the, lo- the girls was leading in prayer and she prayed, Lord, give us pure hearts. Lord, give us clean hearts. Lord, give us sweethearts. And all the girls said, Amen. And that's what uh, they were praying for, I guess. But we love a good love story. And this is definitely a good love story. I know some of you men roll your eyes and think, boy, when would not care less about some of those love stories. Well, I would agree with you. But this book here, the book of Ruth, what a powerful, amazing love story it is. And, and it's a very unique book. Ruth, the only other book uh, written with a woman's title, Esther and Ruth. And Ruth is very unique in the Old Testament because it's a picture of the church, of us. And uh, she marries a man named Boaz, who was a picture of the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. It's, um, I believe, some of the most beautiful teaching in the Bible about the redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is so much to learn about the story of Ruth, because you see, Ruth was a pagan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was not a, a, a Jew, not a believer. She was from, of all places, Moab. Uh, spiritually, Ruth was from the wrong side of the, the tracks, spiritually speaking. And she comes to Israel, to Bethlehem, and she meets Boaz, who is a very rich man, very strong, very kind, very good. And Boaz was a bachelor, uh, all just by chance. Oh, God was working all of this uh, together. And it really is a Cinderella story, the book of Ruth. As one uh, preacher put it, the maid from Moab meets the the bachelor from Bethlehem, and they get married. And so it's a wonderful story. It's an intriguing story. It's a a story with plots, with subplots. We're not going to cover it all, uh, but this is an interesting story about this book. Benjamin Franklin, who we all are familiar with, he was also the ambassador to France. And when in France, he was a member of a literary society, and they were giving giving, uh, different readings and so forth. Ben Franklin was uh, letting letting this agnostic literary society know that uh, where he had, uh, you know, he comes up with this story he's going to read, but he didn't let them know where he'd gotten it. And so he begins to read the book of Ruth and shares with them the love story of Ruth. And they were astounded. I mean, you're talking about agnostic individuals, people who denied that God was even real. And, and they uh, uh, were very arrogant, very liberal in their thinking. But they heard this story and um, they said, Dr. Franklin, that is beyond a doubt the most beautiful romance story ever that we have heard. And could you, uh, uh, would you please give it, allow us to take this story and publish it and, and, and give it a, a broad distribution. Ben Franklin says, well, it's already published. It already has a wide distribution. In fact, it's found in the Bible, that book that you profess to, def- to despise and have nothing to do with. It's amazing. The book of Ruth, written in the dark days of the judges, as we see here right after the book of Judges. In fact, before we read here in Ruth, I want to take you back that last verse, last chapter, last verse of the book of Judges. And that verse says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, Therefore it was a day of anarchy. We're kind of experiencing that now, aren't we? It was a day of apostasy. It was a day, a day of apathy. It was a day when sin was rampant. And this uh, was a dark, dark day. And it's right in the midst of all of this, this darkness, this sin, uh, this wickedness that abounded in the world, right in the midst that God gives us a wonderful four-chapter little book here called Ruth. And it reminds us that God is still alive and that God is still on the throne. So let's take some time here to read uh, the, the first few verses of this chapter uh, down through verse 18 anyway, starting at verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to a, a sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, And the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephratus of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now, in chapter 1 here, uh, by the way, I I just want to say this. You may come here today and you're discouraged. If you've been watching the news, if you've been listening to what's happening on, how could you not be discouraged? Uh, That's why we must stay in the Word of God. We must keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you come, you may be discouraged. Let me just tell you here at the outset of the message, there is hope. There is hope. And if you will do what Ruth did, if you will yield your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will yield to live God's way and abide by His Word, uh, God can make a love story out of your life as well and uh, there, which is a bright hope for darkness and so here's a man named elimelech and who made a bad choice this is not a boy he's not a a child he's an adult man but he made a bad choice we also see uh, the wonderful choice here later on we will the choice that ruth made a wonderful choice now Frankly, our lives are the total sum of the choices that we make. That's the power of decision, the power of choice. The choices we make. Every day we're making decisions. Every day we're choosing to do this or that. And and it's, it's uh, some may not be as important, obviously. But Ruth reminds us of the power of a choice. And we'll learn some things about the importance of decision-making because... We all make decisions, no matter what our age is, whether we like it or not, and whether we agree or not. You t- will make some decisions even today, even within the next hour. Look again there at verse one. Uh, very interesting because the the uh, name Bethlehem. It says there's a famine there. The name Bethlehem means the house of bread, and that is where Jesus, the bread of life, was born. And that's where they're fleeing from, Bethlehem. And it goes on, it talks about Elimelech. Elimelech, He uh, literally means, my God is king. That's what this man's name means. And so here is a man who evidently had a godly heritage. He lived in a little town of Bethlehem. This man had a lot of things going for him. This man uh, just had had a great uh, life uh, you would think and then it goes on it says uh, talks about his wife his wife Naomi which means sweet pleasantness and then of course his two sons now uh, let's continue reading here the story uh, in verse 3 in Elimelech Naomi's husband what happened there he died and she was left, and her two sons, and they took them, wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there uh, about ten years. And Melon and Chilion, what happened? They died. Also, both of them. And the woman uh, was left of her two sons and her uh, husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law, and that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah and Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law Go return each of her uh, to her mother's house The Lord dwell deal kindly with you as ye have dealt uh, with the dead and with me the Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband Then she uh, kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept And they said unto her surely we will return with thee unto thy people and Naomi said turn again my daughters Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that uh, they may be your husband? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a, a husband. If, if I uh, should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them uh, from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again and orpah kissed her mother-in-law but ruth clave unto her and she said behold thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods uh return thou after thy sister-in-law and ruth said entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest i will go and where thou lodgest i will lodge thy people shall be my people and thy god my god now, it, again, this day that Ruth was living in, Naomi and Orpah, it was a day of apostasy, a day of apathy. It was a, a terrible, dark day. And the Moabites, you know, you think about Elimelech, who decided to leave Bethlehem to the place of all places he goes to a pagan country. Rather than trusting God, rather than saying, you know, I know it looks bad, I know it's dark, I know things, but I also know this. God is on the throne. The sun is going to rise. There's going to be a better day. I am going to trust God. He doesn't do that. Sadly, he doesn't. And uh, the Moabites were enemies of Israel. They had invaded the land of Israel. They had uh, uh, also subjected, subjected Israel to uh, all kinds of uh, horrible things and war and battles and for 18 years. They were pagans. They were barbarous, they were cruel, but out of this, the Moabites came from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter, and that's where these people come from. It was a terrible place. This this man of God, Elimelech, made a bad choice, and uh, he goes over to Moab. Now, there are three things I want to point out, we're not going to get to them all, so Uh, We'll uh, just get to what we can as the Lord gives us time. But three things about choices that I want you to notice in this passage this morning. And the very first of these three things is the responsibility of choices. The responsibility of choices. God gives us all a will. And with that will, we make choices. We're not robots. We're not machines. We cannot be programmed And we're not forced to do what we don't want to do. God made us moral creatures in the his image. And when God made us moral creatures, God gave us a choice. So, first of all, we're free to choose. We hear a lot about that in our world, don't we? We are all for choice. Uh, Many women say, I have a choice talking about their baby, baby and so forth. Well, I'll say more about that in a moment. But we are free to choose. God says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I have set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, he says, that you may live. Choose life. God says, it's here. You, You can go to the right or you can go to the left. It's your choice. You can receive me or you can reject me. And, or you can honor me, or you can despise me. You can accept me or reject me. See, God has given every individual in this building, every individual in the entire world, God has given them, given you, a choice. Now, that's the, the principle of choice here that we see in Ruth. And, and we like choices, don't we? My, we are, you know, now it's kind of strange when you go to a, a Walmart store, and you see some empty shelves. That's a strange thing for us Americans. But we have, I I don't know how many times I've been sent to the grocery store and said, get this product, okay? I look at the shelf, I find what I'm looking for, but there's about a 100 different items that, different ones. Well, what do I get? And inevitably, if I choose, it's wrong. So uh, now, the blessing of these cell phones, Mildred takes a picture of it and then sends it to me. And then I'm able to match it up. But we like choices. If you want to get a soft drink, well, you can go there. You can choose a Pepsi. You can choose a Coke. You can choose 7-Up or Dr. Pepper or whatever you like. And you can choose with with caffeine, without caffeine. You can choose diet or not. And uh, uh, all of these things, we just like choices. If you want to get a new automobile, they said, or they say there's over 750 different uh, models that you can choose from. And then, out of those 752 models, or whatever it may be, uh, you can choose different colors, all the different options, all these different choices of the accessories. Americans, without a doubt, like choices. And a store in New York City has 2,500 different kinds of light bulbs. Man, how confusing would that be? And so now, a lot of these choices are just, you know, inconsequential. In like, like the what tie you was going to wear this morning or what shirt you're gonna, was you going to put on. Yeah, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things and doesn't make much difference. Uh, ladies, you know, what earrings I'm going to wear, what uh, dress I'm going to wear. Those are not going to make that big of a difference. In fact, you could wear the same dress probably every week and your husband wouldn't even know it. Um, and uh, let alone some of us that... Uh, that aren't really observant in that way. And so here's a man named Elimelech who makes a choice. It's a free country. He had a right. He was able to, he was in charge. He makes a choice. And you, my friend, are free to choose. But here's the catcher. You are not free not to choose. Did you catch that? You're not free not to choose. You see, at, at the close of this message today, I will give an invitation. And I will give you a chance to say an everlasting yes to Jesus Christ, either for salvation or for dedication or for whatever the spiritual need may be. I will give you an opportunity to decide, to choose. Am I going to uh, trust Christ as my Savior if you haven't done that or not? Or am I going to... Uh, get right with God or not or am I going to whatever the Lord leads you to do and and so I will ask you to make a choice a decision and by the way at the close of this service I can say that there was a hundred percent of the people in the church that made decisions yes I can say that with accuracy okay I'm not evangelistically speaking I'm not just saying that to try to say, oh, wow, that sounds so impressive. No, what I'm trying to say is if you're not a Christian, you will make a decision. You don't have a choice. You you say, well, no, I won't. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, you say, well, wait a minute. I beg to differ. I will not. I want to tell you, you will make a decision. If you don't decide for Christ, you decide against Christ. I'm talking to the unsaved. But you will decide. There's no way that you can be neutral. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 30. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So you will choose him or refuse him. But your refusal to choose him is a choice. Do you understand that this morning? Your refusal to choose Christ is a choice and so there there's no way that you can be neutral you can't say i will not choose i i choose not to choose Uh, because when you choose not to choose that is a choice that's a choice so there is going to be a decision made christian you you know where you your standing is with god you know what you should do what the lord has been prompting you to do you have a choice say yes to the will of god No. If you say, well, no, I'm going to wait, that's still a choice. And that's saying no. Wait, to to wait is saying no. It's so simple that we're free to choose, but we're not free not to choose. And then thirdly, you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. Now, you can climb or take an elevator, what I would suggest, up to the 10th floor of a building. You're not going to find one around here. But you can do that, go up to the 10th floor, you can go to the window, you can open the window, and you can decide that I'm going to step out that window. But you can't choose what the consequences of doing that is. What I'm saying is, you can think all in your mind, I am not going to fall, I choose to go out there and walk across there. Well, you're only going to get so far. And it's not the fall that's hurts you, it's planning that's going to get you. But, you see, you, you, uh, you, you, when you step out there, something takes over. Gravity. And it chooses for you now. The choice is no longer yours. The choice, yeah, I'll step out the window on the 10th floor. You can do that. But now it's the consequences. You're going down. There's no other way about it. Unless you have a rocket pack on your back, you're, you're going down. You're not free to choose the consequences. Um, because your, your choice then, it, it, after you make that choice, step out that window, the choice you made now chooses you, and it's making the, the decisions. Right, uh, so you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. For years, a lot of people have talked about um, free love. I've heard that for years, since I was a kid. And back in the 60s, they would talk about this. And they say, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Oh, yes, I am free to do whatever I want to do. But you're not free to choose the consequences. You're not free to choose if you're going to get a sexually transmitted disease. You're not free to choose the broken life, the the affront that it will be to the Almighty God. You're not free to choose that, that little precious baby that might be born alive or whose life might be taken perhaps put to death those are the consequences you're not free to choose those consequences sometimes people who conceive a child they say we've decided to have this baby well or we've decided some say well we've decided not to have this baby well that is completely wrong all right the only choice now is whether you're going to have that A live baby or a dead baby the baby's already there you see you're not free to choose the consequences you just can't erase that life and say it never happened no you choose either to allow the baby to live or you choose to kill the baby and so people don't understand that there are consequences that come with the decisions that we make and the choices that we make and and we cannot choose the consequences now, let me say uh, this also about choice. One big choice takes care of a lot of little choices. Now, have you ever have you ever gone out to eat with your wife, man? And, you know, you get out there, you get in the car, and you start, you, you say, well, where are we going? Well, I don't know, let's go to, and, and you know, I, I've, I've been here. Driving down the road, especially when it's someplace we've not, we're not familiar with. Where are we gonna eat? Well, maybe, maybe Mexican. See, I'm getting for anything. Mildred, on the other hand, it's gotta be just particular. And so I say, let's let's eat there. No, no, no. Oh, so uh, so every intersection, I'm wondering: Are we going left? Are we going right? Or are we going straight? You see, the decision hasn't been made. There's been times when we're circling the city, and uh, we're going by all these restaurants. I said. I, we could eat there. I'm ready for McDonald's, anything. And, uh, but the, the decision, now, if it's this way, before we get in the car, we get together and say, listen, let's go eat Mexican. Amen. Praise God. I get in the car. I know exactly where I'm going. There's, the, the, the big decision has been made. So now all these little decisions of where to turn and all, it's already taken care of. What am I saying? Well, look, we all face temptations. We talked about that. A uh, a week or two ago and when you make the big decision as you talked about Daniel when he was just a boy he purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself against God he was going to do what's right if you make that big decision that you're going to honor the Lord that you're going to please the Lord with your life and you're going to do what's right when it comes to those smaller decisions uh, of whether I'm going to yield in, uh, to that temptation or do this You'll say, no, wait a minute, I can't do that. I I know where I'm going. I know what decision I made. I have purposed in my heart, and I will not defile the Lord. And so that big decision takes care of a lot of smaller decisions, if you get my drift here this morning. Should I or should I not? It's already been decided. Uh, I can remember, I've shared this before, when I was a boy, I can remember, uh, well, I was a teenager. I got saved. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I remember somewhere in between 13 and 16 that uh, I walked an aisle and at the altar here, I made a vow to God. I told God I would never smoke a cigarette. I would never touch alcohol. I, that, I still remember that. And by the way, I never have. I think cough service is about the hardest stuff I've ever had. And, uh, but no, that was my choice I made now by the way my father drank my father died 57 years old from smoking cigarettes i don't think i ever really had an interest in those things in the first place but i had brothers that made that foolish decision messed up their lives in many different ways because of those uh those things but what my point is this you make that one decision in life that this is what i'm going to do this is the direction i'm going to go it makes all the other little decisions you're not going to be I wonder, well, should I turn here or turn, turn there? Wh- which way? No, you already know which way you're going. It makes it so much easier. So one big choice takes care of a lot of little choices. But Elimelech was a man who said, my god is king. That was the, what his name meant. But he made a very ungodly choice. And he chose to do something that he ought not have chosen to do. Uh, the, the ball is still in your hands christian just because you're saved doesn't mean there's no more choices to make you made the big choice about trusting christ as your savior that eliminates all the uh uh, the, the fact that you you know you're not going to hell you're going to heaven but there are so many choices uh as far as what god would have us to do or what we want really in essence or what the devil wants so we're talking about the responsibility of choice it's our responsibility to choose right now let me talk to you about number two here, the results of a bad choice. The results of a bad choice. I pray for my grandchildren that they would make good choices as they get older. First of all, that they, if they're not saved, they'd get saved at a very early age, and that God would protect them from any harm or from any evil, and that they would not make stupid decisions. Because one stupid decision can affect the rest of your life and so here was a man who made a very wise or excuse me, unwise literally it was a very wicked choice he got out of the will of God and uh, he, he went over into the land of Moab he meant to sojourn there He was only gonna be there for a short while he thought but he was there for ten years and uh, it was just a little side trip to Moab that's all it was but ten years later he's still there and He went into Moab, and here's the problem. Moab got into him, and he became a different man. He met tragedy there in Moab because he did not trust the Lord. He made a bad choice. Now, what was the real reason for the choice that he made? What was the cause of this bad choice? Uh, May I submit to you, first of all, that Elimelech, he... um, He had the wrong motives. Brother Morris mentioned motives in the Sunday school class, but uh, do you know, do you see what his motive was? Why, it looks noble, honorable. He's trying to take care of his family. And it was physical, though, rather than spiritual. And, And he went there for bread, the Bible tells us. He's not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, There was a famine in the land of Israel, and therefore he hightails it over to Moab uh, to get some food, some bread. Now, what motivated his life was what buttered his bread. It was the physical. It was the material. Now, a lot of people make decisions just like that today. Sadly, you may call yourself a child of God, but you are motivated primarily by the material and the physical rather than the spiritual. You say... Well, what what's wrong with that? Well, there is much wrong with that. The Bible says, the verse I just quoted earlier, Matthew 6:33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And now listen to this, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now many of us seek things first and then try to tack God onto it. We we worship things and use God rather than worshiping God and using things and and we wonder then why it doesn't work out for us uh we well i'll I'll try i'll I'll tell you something about God God never has and God never will work in second place God's throne is not a duplex it's one throne he alone is going to be in charge and seek ye first The kingdom of God and his righteousness. But there was a man here seeking things, seeking bread first. And by the way, he was seeking a a better life. He justified it, said, my children need this. My family needs this. I need to move to a better place to provide. But what happened? He died. His boys died. It It was not a better place. So he had the wrong motive. Also, I want you to see the wrong method here. He's operating by sight, not by faith. This is a man of God now. And that's the wrong, yes, the wrong method, how easy it is for us to walk by sight today. We just simply say, well, you know, a man's got to live. Wrong. No, a man does not have to live. Um, A man, he's got to die, and when he dies, he's got to answer to God. That's what's really going to happen we don't have to live uh he's got to die we we don't necessarily have to live and and it may appear in our thinking that things are falling apart that it's not going to work out and so we get a better idea you know what i can handle this lord let me control and we we decide on the basis of what we think or what we have reason to be a, a a good decision and leave god out and it's not going to work out for us at all and so you know what faith is faith is believing God in spite of the appearances of things and faith is obeying God in spite of the consequences faith is Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who said I am going to obey God even if it means I'll burn the fiery furnace that is not even a, a decision I need to think about I'm going to obey God that's it so the uh uh, not operating by sight but by faith here Elimelech had the wrong motive the wrong method and he um, ended up serving the wrong master he left the covenant blessing of Israel and he got over there in Moab with the ungodly pagans and found himself in the devil's camp you could say that Elimelech became a dirty double crosser of the God of Israel and we uh we do the same thing. We can be hard on a But we do the same thing when we make the wrong decisions. When we decide, we know what is right. We know what God would have us to do. But we say, you know, I don't like that. And I'm going to decide this. You're free to choose. But let me remind you. You're not free to choose the consequences. And we disgrace and dishonor God. And we say, I... God, I, I, can, I, I can't trust you in this situation. I, I'm not, not going over to the enemy's camp and, 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 uh, uh, to, to live there. I'm just going to go provide for my family. And so I'm going to go over there for just a short time. I, I'm going to go over there on the other side. That's what Elimelech did. So the responsibility of choice. Yes, the responsibility is yours. You can choose. You can defy your parents, you can defy God, you can defy the word of God and just do whatever you want to do. That's right. America's all about choices and you can make the choice you want to make. But boy, I'll tell you, Elimelech, he had a lot of regrets, didn't he? He went there to live, but he found death and a grave. He went there that his boys may have a better life. They died young. And now he left his wife, his two daughter-in-laws there with no one to provide for them. And they were in a hopeless situation. So the responsibility is yours. The results of of the bad choices are real. Uh, Don't let, don't have the wrong motives. Don't think that, uh, well, I'm doing this for a noble cause and you know you're going against God. It does not work. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. The power of decision tonight I want to talk about the consequences of that bad choice and and we'll see there are several things that that he in, encountered there but then i want you to see and we'll also see it on the good side a great decision that was made by ruth and how she was rewarded for it so let's bow our heads together in prayer.